0: Courtsman, the propaganda's winds stress feeding on my attention. My countrymen, they love their fiction, words are
1: now displayed with good
2: intentions. Oh my god. How oh,
1: oh yes, yeah, the, man, I've missed that weird little voice. Mm. I truly have. How um, many just
2: Jet PTR opinions, you guys, based on our previous <laughs> takes. Uh, what think... would what would Philip, based on his previous performances on One of Two Hundred, say about this issue? Yeah,
0: just feed in feed in the previous two hundred episodes and get it to generate some content. Yeah,
2: uh, J- chat ch- p- GPT it and then Dragon Speech it, uh, read it out.
0: Come <laughs> on, that's next <laughs> level.
2: <laughs> Why are we recording this?
1: Um, <laughs> oh, that was yeah. a funny thing though, eh? Um, Nicola Willis being like, oh, just put it into <laughs> AI, <laughs> just put it,
0: yeah." Which. Collins has usually, usually been there because yeah. she's their spokesperson for the Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's their Web3 spokes. Yes. Adorable. That's adorable until they start using it as a way to deliver public sector service um, cuts.
1: I'm not sure <laughs> they're not using it to deliver uh, public policy. Policies. Right <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, give chat GPT, give me 15 policies for a centre-right, you know, New Zealand <laughs> government.
2: Oh, my God. We should do that for each party. like. I don't want to see cool. it. What should All the right. egg Party's policy? All be? right,
1: that's the lead-in. That's the lead-in. Look, we had some banter. <laughs> we had some banter beforehand. I'll try and leave this in. Welcome back to Season 2 of 1 of 200. Well, no. Welcome back to 1 of 200. This is Season 2. 2 of 200? Wow. Yeah, this episode is going to be called 2 of 200. Uh, because you don't get to do that often. Um, unless <laughs> a, the most amazing pun possible falls across my lap. Wait, didn't we already have an episode called 2 of 200? Shit, I just had
2: a momentary flashback. Never mind, I'll check before. Um, oh, no. This. We may have.
0: Um, um, I'm sorry for stepping on your intro there, Kyle. No, we, look, this is, this is part
1: of it. We can start messy. Everyone's like, oh, we're just so getting good. back into it. it that just, sound so you, good at this. That Saudi
2: here is the well-oiled machine of three podcasters uh, powering in, stretching, warming
1: up, or our calves are getting limber as hell right now. All right, and we're going to cut that and we're going to make some ASMR tracks out of that uh, for those of you who <laughs> enjoy Philip's voice. That's oh, that's for the pre- that's
0: that's that's for the premium tier.
1: <laughs> we're back from hiatus. We've got so much to do uh, coming up to the election, but we're going to start today talking about the budget that released this week. We're going to talk a little bit about how the campaign's shaping up, and we're going to leave the rest of it to subsequent episodes. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's continued following us. Uh, while we've been away from the microphones, we've been doing a bunch of other work in the background. Some of you will would have, would have seen Trestle.nz, our uh, progressive advocacy uh, union and NGO aggregator uh, that we've uh, thrown together with the help of a couple of friends of the cast. I've been doing stuff in the background for One or Two Hundred as well. We've done a rebrand. Huge thanks to Smug Smug Liberal, I think, is his handle for, for taking us through that redesign process, and also a huge thank you to everyone who stuck around on Patreon, um, and made donations while we've been out to support our work. Really love to have that support. Uh, really helps us to, to just launch back into this uh, and and get everything running again. Uh, make sure we can continue to produce uh, high quality left wing content for our audience so the budget released this week uh there's a pretty long lead into it uh little teasers uh coming from the labor party what really struck me about it uh it was pretty i'm not sure they quite nailed the the messaging um i'll do, we'll just start with that because this is the kind of more surface level stuff but tell me what what you guys think as well but they they spent the whole like previous two or three weeks downplaying what they're going to do with it, saying, oh, there's not much room to to do much here. Uh, we're not going to be able to put a lot of money on the table. Uh, inflation, cost of living, got to stay stable. And it was true. They they haven't done much. Uh, and we'll get into the numbers on that. But when both Hipkins and Robertson were kind of questioned about that, like, oh, could there have been more in here? They both got a little bit upset. It was like, there's actually heaps in here. Um, look at all this great stuff. I think it was actually a fantastic budget. And you're like, okay, mate, don't have to sell it so hard. It's We know it's kind of shit. Like, that was your whole pitch in the first place. You tried to downplay it, um, and now you're trying to outplay it again. There, was there a bit of a disjunct there, or is, is that just I mean, me being, like, anti-Robertson?
0: I mean, probably both, but <laughs> wrong with that. Um, Yeah, I think it, it was an extended campaign of expectation management right that they were saying oh this is a bread and butter budget bread and butter budget the number of times i heard that phrase um that then when they did roll out sort of the the kind of headline policies that came out of it the um early child uh closing the early childhood uh care gap um the five dollars off prescription uh fees um and some of the infrastructure spend it kind of those suddenly look like you know gigantic progressive social democratic achievements that they can um the the things that they did include um sort of seem bigger because oh no you thought we were just gonna roll everything over but actually here's some new initiatives so i think there there was an ex to an extent they were yeah, managing expectations and kind of building a narrative around it. I have to say, picking the budget as the first topic coming back from hiatus, bit risky because it's just pretty boring. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, people you've got to find something to talk about, um, and people certainly have. But I, I, really think it is just bread. I'm not sure if we've even made it to butter in terms of that is too expensive in this economy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: dairy in this Um, economy not not locally that's all exported yeah no
0: yeah I think it's 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 very much continuity but with just enough that they can can talk to and look I consistent position here labor does something that's like yeah okay kind of all right actually for the people that this will make a difference for that's really crucial and I don't want to downplay the the difference that um the things they're introducing um, will make in people's lives but again it's just so uh, the disjunct between the situation we're in everything that's happened over the last three and a half years especially everything that's happened over the last five months the the disconnect between the the scale of labor's response and, and what they're doing um, and the challenges we face is just so vast that it's yeah it's it's slightly surreal that we're celebrating two or three minor progressive wins like they're you know something on the scale of working for families or and by we, for loans. That's not us. No, sorry, yes. <laughs> we as a as a yeah. royal we, collective we, as a as a as a nation that
2: this is, the, this is, this is the, all we can expect. This is the purpose of the extended downplaying of expectations that we have to engage in every year now, right? It's become like a, a ritualistic, yeah, month, six weeks to a month of kind of embarrassing, I don't know, ab- abject kind of worshiping at the gods of whoever's going to write this document and saying, like, oh, expect nothing, expect zero things. Like, if you're expecting one thing, that's one thing too many things. You should stop expecting anything at all from, you know, the state, you know, in the, in the Labour Party constitution. Might have some references to supporting you. Don't read that. Don't don't listen to anything we've previously said about how we've helped people. That's not something you're allowed to expect. Expect zero things. Expect zero things. And then on budget day, you get a couple little crumbs, and they go, "Yeah, you're welcome." Those crumbs are pretty good. I bet you love the taste of those crumbs. And it's become like a ritualistic. I don't know. Ever since at least Bill English, I feel there's not that much difference between the like the strategy, the commercial, and like comms application of that strategy that they. That they implement it's basically just you know quite a low-level sales tactic that they use on the public every single year um and like idiots every year we go oh delicious we being the the media as an institution you know the kind of reportage (laughs) out of uh budget is is pretty pretty embarrassing right the quality from gallery journalists going oh going into this there was a lot of talk about keeping costs down and have they managed to keep costs down maybe in this specific way maybe not in this specific way is this going to be slightly inflationary is it not going to be as inflationary as expected instead of as you say rusty like zooming out a little bit and comparing it to the scale of the problems we have to address um and talking about like i don't know quite abstract ideas like the the size of government in in response to you know multivariate crises that those people will happily admit exist is quite like an embarrassing first reaction i think
1: i yeah i mean i agree with all of this obviously what what are we if not hive mind uh, here on the podcast only one view is allowed but what's been really interesting is that the reactions to this have generated more news and more engagement than the budget itself and I, I don't think we often see that that usually there's something which is like the the big ticket item uh in a budget uh, whether for good or for bad. This time, the main story has been National fucking up the response to it. You know, that's been the thing driving engagement with this. Labour doing this $5 prescription thing uh, and kind of dangling it at National in the campaign season. And National just like fully grabbing that with their whole selves and saying, <laughs> we're going to roll that back and then having to clarify on that. Uh, to say, oh, actually, we kind of, kind of target it somehow. They're, they're really struggling, and I, I think it's turned this budget into a little bit more of a win for Labor narratively than it could have been. Uh, but as you say, there's just, there's just nothing here. There's nothing that meets the the needs of the people. You know, there's still a cost of living crisis. We've had multiple natural disasters in the first half of the year. Obviously, there's some stuff in the budget for recovery. But we need more than that. Like, we needed some significant changes. And we just had this IRD report come out a few weeks back saying the wealthy aren't paying enough. It, it's really unfair. Uh, our tax system isn't set up to to recoup this cost. We, we know there's, like, a large number of corporate entities price gouging and, and driving prices up. This is a, a narrative that is global. Like Everyone is on paper saying this now. And there's still like the soft consensus among politicians and the media here that somehow it's not like price rises and price gouging isn't any part of the cost of living crisis. Obviously, there are other inf- inflationary uh pressures. But we we yes have to ask these questions. And Labor has been coming out and the Commerce Commission has been coming up and saying, oh, you know, we should, we're keeping an eye on this stuff. We're keeping an eye on the banks. We're keeping an eye on the supermarkets. I hope they'd be good, uh, but not doing anything. And they're really, I mean, it's cynical, but it's probably correct. People are saying this is a stability budget. It's to look, they got lucky and were able to bait national, but the big stuff is going to come in the campaign. And that's probably right. They, they want to release the big stuff closer to when people are going to remember it because then they'll vote. Uh, we've just seen something come out this week showing that more than 50% of people hold support a wealth tax, which is unheard of, I'd say, in a New Zealand environment. But mostly what I'm taking from this budget and from how Labour have been over the last two terms, uh, I, I see this as a bit of a bookend. Of what what was meant to be a transformative government, they they have transformed the political landscape. Laborers are now the compassionate conservatives. They are they are trying to hold the space that National has been doing. National has brought in the New Zealand Initiative uh, right into the inner circle in the office of Christopher Luxon. They're running these really neoliberal ideas that wouldn't be um, out of place uh, in the ACT Party, which. It, which is having to push itself even further out for the record. Some of the stuff that National is is talking about is, you know, similar to what Trust has talked about. I know, yeah, different contexts, yada, yada, yada. But Luxon also goes over there and hangs out with that crowd. You know, he, these are the people that he ideologically aligns with. And I think we need to be very clear about that. You know, he was meeting Michael Gove two weeks ago in the UK. One of the most hated politicians of, of the modern Tory party, to the extent that even Tories hate him. Labour in New Zealand is often to the right of right-wing governments overseas on things like a wealth tax um, or a windfall tax and and a range of other stuff. If national's not careful, they're gone. They're done. There is potential for Labour to just sit in that space third ways over because they're, they're the middle ground now. Um, there's
0: only no no more third way there is only one way
1: there's only one way right would um because national is struggling to find a way to do conservatism that meets the needs of the major, like a, a significant chunk of the electorate uh both them and act were were trying to do some scare tactics around mortgage rates just throwing out wild numbers um trying to spook our homeowners not being challenged on, on that at all of course um with, with no basis for for making these claims, saying mortgage rates are gonna go out above ten percent um with, within twelve months or or whatever uh okay, great thanks uh so are you gonna put more in the budget to are you gonna spend more uh and and then both using this language trying to s- say the budget was a blowout budget uh which is just ludicrous. what was amusing is that David Seymour got the podium first, so it looks like National is just following ACT's lead at this point. He he got to coin it, and then Willis came out trying to coin it herself. They are following ACT's lead because they ACT are better politicians than them. Of course, I mean like, they, they are at politically point. they're behind them
2: in the narrative. Never well, I think
1: catch up. yeah, they are, and and they've got nowhere else to move. That's the other thing. Labor has totally eaten what do they say? Eaten their lunch, eaten their dinner. Labor are doing their compassionate conservatism far far better than them. What can they do except? Uh, push into far more neoliberal kind of rogenomic stuff uh, with this overlay of, oh, we want targeted targeted aid for people, targeted help for people. But that means privatising, essentially, um, at some level, uh, as far as their policies are concerned. But you can't call this a blowout budget. Labour spent two or three weeks managing those expectations, saying there's going to be nothing here. All the economist panels are like, yeah, there's nothing in here um actually our criticism is that labor needed to do more most of the media like including you know the people that that labor love to hate like jenna lynch i we're calling this a bread crumbs budget like this is a person that that people are saying oh she's an outrider for act like uh, whatever like i don't always like her reporting but i mean she she's completely at odds with acts messaging on this she she said there's nothing in here for people like working people, especially Cameron Bagri, um, who I often think has some pretty bad economic takes, was saying the same. We need to invest in infrastructure. We be able same thing. Uh, where where is where is the money for actually building building back better?
0: I think where is the money is what's actually at the bottom of all of this. Is that and you know I feel like I'm doing a bad Bernard Hickey impression um, here, but fundamentally we kind of have this. I don't know if it's an internal, uh, you know, the, the treasury official in Grant Robertson's mind, the baseline level of kind of the government share of GDP is too low to support the level of services people expect. And labor are reaching the limits of what can be done with the current level of 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 state funding and there's kind of only two ways out of that you either begin to cut back on services or you increase taxes like you can talk a lot about oh just borrow it kind of modern monetary theory and it's like no 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 like fundamentally how much of the economy are you putting into healthcare education infrastructure all those kind of fundamental things that are being repeatedly Damaged by just constant crises, and to you know, the extent to which we have to run to stand still to get the same level of kind of basic services out of these things, you can't do that without more revenue. Now, you can have a, an argument about where that revenue could come from. Um, and a lot of tax nerds on the internet love to do it. Um, but I, and I, this is why I think David parker secret is, you know, is kind of. The left's secret agent within the Labour Party, that mild-mannered as he is, he's the only one willing to prompt this conversation. I suspect much against the will of, um, you know, the rest of cabinet, is that at least, you know, the 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 research that he commissioned from IRD is beginning to build a case around there is a substantial untaxed revenue stream outwell. I don't want to, again, don't want to piss off the tax nerds, but there's a substantial untaxed portion piss them of the off economy out there <laughs> off. Um, that we're letting go and it's being allowed to accumulate in the hands of a very, very limited, se- you know, select sector of the economy. It's
1: but don't we recoup that through DST because they spend all of it?
0: No, they don't. Because <laughs> they, the worst, they, they, they invest it all in fucking rental properties, which is... Bi- I mean... What's House his face?
1: Who's that? that cunt? Uh, Graham Hart. Didn't he come back and like buy <sighs> 80 houses? Yeah. Like why, during the pandemic? Like insane. Why, why wouldn't you, right? Why wouldn't you? No. Yeah. So it's that,
2: uh, what, 311 richest families in the country uh, that the, the study came out and said there were about $3 billion uh, of taxes that we should have been collecting if we had a consistent kind of tax system. Uh, that applied to all of the revenue streams from those people, as, as Rusty's saying. I feel like we should quickly mention the the things that people are actually talking about in the budget. Uh, we've done, by by NCA standards, we've done the discuss and explain, and now we're going to take a step back and do the describe. So <laughs> just quickly, when when the uh, gallery journalists have finished talking about the delicious food in the uh, budget lockup, that has to be the first like hilarious five minutes of every uh, article about the budget by presumably some kind of um media law that we've we've missed here at one of 200 um the the actual things in the budget that people are talking about is ece early childhood education down two years from three um and that's what 20 hours a week subsidized sure why not right uh five dollar co-payments gone for medicine probably the most actually interesting thing in the budget uh and you know as some you know it depends how you count it but probably over one hundred thirty thousand people didn't collect prescriptions in the last year because of the fee And hopefully that will take some pressure off the health system, um, which presumably is why Labour wants to do it in an election year, right? Because the health system's already stretched. Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed, but there's still a pandemic killing a bunch of people. I heard Um, that
1: the World Health Organization said it was over now. And so it must be. um,
2: I guess I'm a conspiracy theorist in that sense. Um, (laughs) I think it still exists. Uh, The trust tax rate has finally been increased to the top income tax rate, 39%. Uh, which should pick up about 1.1 billion over four years, um, and that's politically pretty smart. I mean, they should have done it straight away, but it's going to be hard for Luxon to push back on that because, you know, 78%, I think, of trust income is through about five percent of the trusts. Yeah, that was true. So reform, that's how right? you do it, right? That's how you. That's how you push against that. Uh, 3,000 more kind of auto homes, but they've only pushed out the funding by a year, um, so that's still kind of you know really kicking the can down the road in terms of housing supply for poor people, and the numbers are pretty small to be honest. Like if you actually wanted to make a dent in the housing system that's not how you would how you do it you'd treat it at a systemic level and not just kind of tinker around the edges um some of their economists think we might narrowly miss a recession which i don't know pretty uh pretty boring distinction
1: to me but it depends who you listen to and it it relies on the us anyway yeah um, exactly who have this whole debt ceiling thing going on um but that's that's kind of out of our hands in the macro scale yeah. And as usual, biggest increase in
2: spending is going to be on superannuation, which is going to make economists and NZ initiative types talk about means testing more. And yeah, um, all over
1: the feed. As they
2: will. Yeah, as yeah. they will. And about but,
1: prescriptions as well, for whatever reason. Of course. Yeah, because so they can't help got, themselves.
2: you got to means test everything. It's an addiction to these people. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of like big ticket stuff, as you're both saying, there's basically
1: nothing. This is there's all one. Like there's one. Small and mid-sized ticket stuff. good, good. I guess big ticket, and that is the funding for Tim Matatini. That's fantastic, uh, and there's also funding for uh, getting the Matatiki holiday up and running. Both great, both great um stuff for for Maori culture and arts. It is, um, but the numbers are tiny, right? Arts uh, funding is like non-existent. Like it's significantly 30, more thirty than, million bucks than what like they were nothing. getting.
2: They've got basically
1: yeah. nothing before. When it's, you start
2: with zero things, Kyle, I one know, thing I know. is <laughs> it's not a big ticket, but yeah, it's a big win. Right? It's yeah. a political win. Yeah, there's I I actually quite for a change, quite liked uh, Daniel McLaughlin's piece on it, where he was talking about, like, kludgy uh, government. I mean, like, he's
1: correct. Like, he's going He's like...
2: I mean, he's not the first person to say it. Matthew Hooten's actually been on this bandwagon for, like, I mean, over 10 years. we've been on this bandwagon. For correctly. It. Um, and it's, like, I think it's increasingly clear that people who pay attention to politics are frustrated at this. And we all have our own kind of wagons that we're pushing, right? Um, barrows, I should say. But, and it, like, we'd all have different solutions to it. But it's part of the kind of extended anti-political uh outcomes that we see from budgets every single year it's essentially the same under uh labor and national yeah a few specific little targeted groups we'll get little treaties and then we'll talk about the treaties for like two months cute little treaties. and by treaties but- you just mean treats not yeah but they're cute they're little oh okay Treatlets. I'm infantilizing the treat- treatlets. Let's do that. <laughs> little little treatlets for the uh, the swing voters. Are your kids costing you slightly too much money? Are you stressed about your mortgage? Guess what? We have the little treatlet for you. You know, mum yeah. and dad and two point one kids are going to have an absolute ball of the winter
1: saving literally cents every week. It's this policy um, making as electoral calculus, right? It is one hundred percent. Okay, well, a polling saying that this group is uh 51% for national at mm. the moment. That's so let's it. pull that back to 51% for us with this yep. high, like, incredibly narrow, incredibly targeted. Let's mean test electoral politics, essentially, and, and try and pull these groups over a little bit at a time uh, and eke out a win. Uh, and this is what I, I mean about labor kind of nailing down this space and making it incredibly hard for national. I think national's holding on just by tradition at this point, and being a major party, and being and treated cost that of living. way. And cost of
2: living. Right? Cost of living, House, like Housing and cost of living time is for a, a change stuff. It's really hard to do extremely badly material in, in these conditions as an opposition party. They are doing yeah. their best, but they well, can't quite pull it up.
1: Th- and this is why... Um, thank you for giving us a rundown, Philip. But this is why I am incredibly disappointed uh, at, I think, both the Māori Party and the Greens for not immediately having alt-budget stuff available um and and running with it uh following the budget and saying this isn't good enough like the media has been saying it like it was all rolled out for you like this is the most positive media environment we've ever had for a progressive political statement i mean the Um, greens
2: the greens voted for the budget why would they have an alternative well budget they support the if you if you vote for the budget i don't think you should have an alternative budget because you just said what you wanted the spending to be right
1: i, I think you, you, can can vote have, for you the could budget, have a budget like and still and so you can get a few things in it and still come out with a critique and, yeah, and a,
2: a critique sure but remember i think that the days of the greens having, having a, a coherent yeah. alternative budget <laughs> you can't do that whilst also voting for the one that the government has i think that's like politically pretty incoherent
1: I, would, I think it could have been managed given what the environment was like after this like we had multiple economists saying there needed to be more in here like basically everyone is is saying or or has the precepts there for running a Green New Deal kind of situation. Um, Big infrastructure build, focused on green jobs, just transition. The conditions are there. Greens could have done something with that. Um, The Party Maori looks like it's starting to try and pivot to pick up some more of that general vote um, and moving into more uh, outwardly, progressive politics uh it would have been a good opportunity for them to do that as well they'd released some stuff earlier in the week um around gst and the like but yeah it was we were we were quibbling like the the news was quibbling over this five dollar prescription fee people wanted something big to talk about like give them something to eat like you could have just walked in here
0: It's it's an opportunity for grandstanding like to be able to say five months out from the election You know, what is why would you bother voting for the Greens or TPM if you're kind of generally on the left? They've only got the option to go with Labor. You know, um, the Greens will never be serious if they won't consider national all that stuff. What you need to be doing is increasing your leverage in future budget negotiations by having more MPs, more cabinet ministers, more input and more kind of veto points in that process so that you're able to achieve wins. You need more mps to do that to get more mps you need more votes to get more votes you need to be drawing a distinction between yourselves and the labor party not just saying yeah us too yeah us too yeah us too and it's it, there is a bind there like I, I i sympathize with the greens to some extent that they do need to point to the things in the budget that appeal to their voter base that are there again it's not nothing it's just knowing yeah the green, wins, right? they, the green wins right the green ones and you know um i have my issues with how the gidi funding um is applied but the fact that they've managed to get that into the budget with no leverage um is an achievement um and so you can't you can't just be relentlessly negative the entire time but right now right before the election standing up and going this isn't good enough if you want something better you yep. need someone who's not labor at the table here's what we you know, and you know that they, they and Te Pāti Māori have are the only ones in in Parliament who are brave enough to have the conversation about tax to say that, you know, here are all of these. I think one of I guess one of my critiques there is that it's a bit shotgun. That it's kind of oh we could have a wealth tax or a capital gains tax or um, a, a a an excess profit tax that it's not kind of one stock standard message of yes we are going to increase taxes on those who can afford it and here's what you get for for that um so i think it it does feel like a missed opportunity maybe and i get i guess this is the other thing is like not to overrate the amount of attention that the general voting public is paying to the budget versus during the campaign and maybe it'll come then um, but I also thought maybe it would come at budget time that we would see see some kind of defection and and running against Labour effectively mm-hmm. to basically, you need to vote for us to give these bastards a backbone.
1: Yeah, and that grandstand sets you up for the campaign, right, would would be the idea. I mean, it's, it's all too late now. Um, you've missed two or three days and the weekend. Uh, they could come out with something next week. Maybe they can deliver it, but I, I'm not expecting it off them. I think if if I am right about the political environment, uh, about Labour becoming the new conservatives um, and holding that space while national new
0: conservatives, lowercase n, lowercase c.
1: Yeah, that's what I meant. And just trying to peel off uh, small bits from National at a time. We've been saying this for a while, but there are much larger chunks of Labour available to be peeled off by the Greens uh, and. That's not even considering the people who are just consider not voting at all uh, at this point. But, but there must, I think, there is a significant amount of people who are, are looking at what Labour has done in the transformative phase and saying, "I'm out, I'm done." Green's saying they're just going to be Labour, um, they're going to support them no matter what. They haven't really done anything for me. I'm just not going to vote. What's the point? Like, no, I I, I voted for Labour, saying we're going to make a big difference. Uh, they didn't do it. My vote means nothing. I don't think people should be doing that. I think you you should vote for the best set of circumstances to get us to a place where it does work. Uh, but I'm in a very privileged situation, being able to do that. You know, like I, I have no hate or for for people who who just tap out. Like that's a that's a fair response uh, to the current state of of politics uh, and the living situation here in New Zealand. I just, I really hope that one of the electoral parties recognises that uh, and actually offers people something because there, there's so much space and like in in the centre-left, I would even say. Like, you don't even have to go like crazy communist, you know, you don't even have to like push the, the boat out that far. Like, we're going to tax a little bit more, just a little bit more. Uh, we're going to... Fund benefits just a little bit more. This is core labor vote stuff that labor isn't doing anymore. Go and steal it from them. Grab yeah, it. I mean
2: that's that's what's going to swap some of those like heartland labor voters to the Greens potentially. Um, and it's very it's very Chris Hopkins not to worry about those people and to attack the the kind of swing swing middle, very traditional kind of uh, boring John Key kind of campaign right. Like aim for the people you know will vote um, and try to pick up those people, which leaves those people who really care about. Um, equity and underprivileged people and issues like that from Labour's base pretty peel offable, but I would say the Greens have voted for all of Labour's budgets every mm-hmm. every year for the last three years unnecessarily. They didn't need their votes. They're not in a confidence and supply agreement. They didn't promise anything. Um, so that's they the leverage. Did,
0: technically they? Sorry to do the nerd shit. Um, no, um, yeah, they, are, it. they are. They are obliged to abstain. Yeah. Um, if yeah, they voted yeah. against it. Um, Shaw and Davidson would be out of their ministries. Um, yep. whether that trade-off is worth it is a, a decision for them to make. But they have more options than they've exercised even within the terms of their agreement. Totally. um they weren't, obliged- I, you know. Yeah, I agree. They weren't obliged to vote for is
2: what I said, yes. any yes. of the budgets. And they voted for all three of them unnecessarily. Um, which like that's if you if you wanted to say the Greens have no leverage. They they have chosen not to exercise the one like piece of leverage that they could around like fiscal matters like this right. They've they've and said we support the the way that you're spending money in all these different areas. They didn't have to do that.
0: No, and this That's, is the thing during the absolute heights of the Ardern era, where you know Labour are polling at fifty, sometimes sixty percent. Running towards Labor and saying, "Hey, if you like Labor, you'll like us too." But like, vote Labor, to, vote Green to get Labor, at the Labor Party you really want with this incredibly popular leader. That made sense in that context. We're at a point now where Labor are in the mid-thirties. They and this is this is where I, 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 I um, admire your optimism, Kyle, that the National Party will continue to collapse. But if an election was held today. 50 50 they could win with their current you know kitchen cabinet and the act party as Mm
1: -hmm. no um, absolutely
0: like they are i think they are in trouble and longer term i would rather be trying to get the labor party elected than trying to get the national party elected just in purely kind of what i think the easier job is terms but yeah, there's this just widespread dissatisfaction. You know, you you see the um the other questions they ask in polling about right direction, wrong direction, satisfaction with the government. All of those figures are really low. They're like, you know, in the they're all underwater 20, 30, 40 percent, and yet labor is still in the mid-30s. And because they're the government, right? like because they're the government but it's like there's all of this yeah space out there and kind of yeah. willingness for something different and I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing with you know higher support for the minor parties clearly the 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 collective center between like the left of the National Party and the right of the Labor Party yeah just it's played out it's done There's there's it's just going in end of history circles, but history has continued to, you know, events have continued to transpire. That's how
1: time works, it turns out.
0: Yeah, it turns out. Um, sorry, Francis Fukuyama. Um, but. It's an embarrassment. All right. Let's let's not get into that. No, let's not, not, not get into that. that. No. Um, but yeah, there's this kind of very narrow approach to like, what do I need to keep a homeowner from the suburbs with a big mortgage and a bunch of bills to pay on board? But that's all they're doing. All of the the other issues in other space and other um things out there are just not being picked up by by Labor or National, which creates a lot of opportunity for the Greens to party, Maori, top act, yeah, whatever the fuck Brian Tamaki is doing. Like, I think we're pretty I've lucky yeah
1: that both national and actor are, are really wedded to neoliberalism at this point uh so that the only kind of economic populism that they're willing to do is tax cuts which is just like not not meeting the needs of the electorate um if we had a proper economic populism from the right we've been a much more dangerous spot and we've been saying this for like as long as the podcast has been running like you can do a little fascism right now um pretty effectively Uh, you know wrap it up in a couple of things Um, go like do the New Zealand first thing but be more aggressive with it essentially Um, do
0: the 21st century version of the New Zealand first thing I think this is I guess it's good that Winston's still going because it means that a, a better younger more dangerous version of that politics isn't able to get purchase Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And I mean, especially like it is ripe for it right now because the government is pretty transparently relying on increased immigration um post, you know, quote unquote post uh COVID immigration to pick up some of the shortfall and fund um through PA we a bunch of the um kind of provisions that they're so, you know, intimidatingly providing to the people of New Zealand to scare the scare the economist horses. Um, but yeah, you could absolutely attack that as someone from the centre right who also wanted those services to exist. That's the key, because as you say, like Winston isn't a true kind of right populist. He's got like a deep Muldoonist kind of provisioning streak to help, you know, a c- certain people sure, and in a problematic way that we would all have uh, big issues with. But in terms of big kind of structural stuff, that is that is incompatible with a lot of the kind of tenets of the right conservative new wave stuff that we could see gaining more traction and he's going to struggle i think campaigning on purely kind of uh value statements and anti-trans rhetoric and the kind of stuff that he's going to try to throw he'll try to throw out some red meat but acts so much better at that stuff now um and they have the kind of rural heartland that he used to rely on so i don't know how much
0: he's going to be able to gain coming into the election from the right i'm I'm never never going to count him out he's on three percent I, into, I already did years ago more.
2: and i was wrong i was completely wrong to count him out i counted him out two no? years ago after the last election i was completely wrong too he's done pretty well he's coming
0: back this is the thing and he's, he's he but sure maybe they get back into parliament for one last go around but yeah as you say he he is fighting the battles of the 1980s and the 1990s um and,
2: and for whatever th- thank goodness for that to be honest i would much rather have him fighting those battles
0: yes and this is this is what i mean about um, there's a much you know the the scenario that worries me is the tamaki umbrella group done well done not by a bunch of um infighting grifters and maybe maybe i'm being too cynical maybe i'm being too pessimistic um when national have tried to go off in this direction it's failed them that might have been circumstantial or maybe there isn't just you know i <laughs> mean to do altero exceptionalism here but like maybe there are some fundamental differences in our political dynamics and kind of demographics compared to the rest of the anglosphere um that means that that doesn't happen
1: i i mean but, there's one significant difference and that's population um they just can't reach critical mass uh, it do, does not have the numbers at an organising level, um, and they, like we're lucky for that, honestly. This all leaves this huge open space for economic populism on the left, in a, in a progressive sense. Uh, someone, someone grab it, someone take it, and actually run on it. You know, James Shaw made a few noises in that direction uh, during his response to the budget uh, when News Hub were talking to him, <laughs> but, but like immediately got derailed. It, it was. It was one of the the most revealing things I've seen, for sure. In particular, where the presenter asked him, "Oh, did you have something to do with some of the green stuff in the budget?" And he's like, "Well, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I have been in Grant Robertson's ear for you know a, a couple of terms now." And he just like, and, and then and then it's like, and it was done. And the interview was over, and that's what I ended on. And he's like, "Oh, buddy, like, <laughs> what is it about for you, really?" And I think. That's that's one theory of change you could have, right?
2: The, yeah. Uh, the angel in Grant Robertson's ear, if that's the you know apotheosis of your but, I mean, career, yeah, okay, that's, like that's how you think about power. If that's where
1: the leadership's at, and that's what their theory of power is, and that's how they think they're going to get things over the line, I I don't see the Greens doing much more on this campaign, honestly, unless it it comes from elsewhere. It's not coming from from shore. They'll, uh, they'll
2: campaign on a wealth tax or something like that because it polled extremely well mm-hmm. for them last election i mean they yeah, should they i'm should. sure i'm sure better than any of the shore rights uh or staffers expected expected to to be honest yeah i think um, there'll
1: be some MPs people loved running it. it
2: people but... absolutely loved it pollers uh pollsters were like oh okay turns yeah. out people like this what the hell um funny how you can just pick a wedge a
1: populist left wedge issue and people will pick up mm-hmm. and run with it it's, um, it's that thing again right yeah. like it's there it's there it's available someone just has to do it uh i think the greens are, are maybe struggling a little bit with how do we square this with it being a climate election this year given given the floods and the like uh i mean green new deals sitting around it's right there and labor just wrapped up jobs for nature right one
2: of the few like major wins from the first term of 2017 yeah. that Eugenie Sage got across the line there was like extended kind of program of uh rolling out uh basically environmental defense type roles that if we were going to be serious about a green new deal that's the first that's the first thing off the rack right very easy to make happen getting like boots on the ground to actually boots on the ground very militant um that to kind of defend the 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 landscape that's in imminent danger of taking pretty permanent damage as we've as we've seen based on these floods like the easiest time possible to increase that kind of stuff and say, look, climate resilience is the same thing as environmental resilience is the same thing as like a healthy landscape. Like all these things can be one huge program. And labor was like, you know what? That's enough of that. That's one trial. Uh, too much, too much supporting nature, actually.
1: Policy bonfire for that one.
2: Yeah. Chuck it on the scrap heap. Uh, a few more, they, they slightly increased the, uh, means testing threshold for people getting, is it heat pumps and, um, insulation? So that's a sort of greenish thing. But again, it's very like tinkery and means testy. Yeah. I mean, there's so much space, right? There's so much stuff you could do. Do free dental. Everyone wants free dental. And everyone's been
1: talking yeah. about it for ages and everyone in the media talks about it as well. It's this huge win. It's a huge public health honestly, win. Honestly,
0: to, to me, the free prescriptions thing is the free dental equivalent you do if you know that you could not fund free dental with the current tax take. It's It's like, it's it's one of the areas of, of healthcare costs that's still on people and one that yeah um you know genuinely um is a barrier to care but it's kind of it's the miniaturized version of a program like free dental um but and you know there's I think the other the other maybe two things is just to round out kind of what we saw on the budget when we thought of it um the permanent means tested um cut price uh public transport um free for under 13s and half price for under 25s. That was like, pretty funny. Well and again this is probably a, a whole episode's worth. Um I'm more in the camp of you can't catch a free bus that's not there. Um there isn't. The, the 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 state of of public transport in New Zealand needs more investment in actual service before we can make it free for everyone. But look, it's good. It's it's good that we're giving younger people travel options that aren't just cars. And the You're other
1: normalizing it, right? This is like a future this is looking forward.
0: Exactly. This is, you know, this is not a temporary cost of living crisis measure. Um, this is a, a permanent change, and I think one that'll be kind of difficult to reverse once people get used to it, similar to the gold card. So there's that. Um, and there's also six billion dollars that's been put aside for resilient spend. What is that? We don't know. No one said. That's Grant um, Robertson's little kitty. Well, I think so. I think also lists. if 6 billion dollars is more than a treatlet, um that's that you know that is a significant sum. Um I think it honestly could be basically what they need for the Auckland and um mm-hmm. Hawke's Bay flood response but they just do not have a plan for how to spend it yet. Um, and whatever
1: else happens this year
0: well and this is the thing whatever else happens we're going into an el nino summer when we have an el nino summer we have more rain more heat <laughs> yeah so the, there is that but again it's all at the margins means tested just enough to hold the you know enough sellotape to 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 hold the bodywork yeah. together which is and you know it's probably enough to get him to um you know the forty thirty-eight percent they need in um in October, but with a longer term view and everything we've said about the the national party, the fact that national are now losing not just rich neo-lib wankers from um Remüera to the Act Party, but are losing significant chunks of its rural base to they're running ACT. in
1: more seats as
0: well. Well, and this is the thing that Labour really could, with a slightly longer view, I think, um, establish themselves in that kind of um, Liberal Party of Canada, permanent mm-hmm. party of government type mold, like that. That that that's timeline is that timeline is there, and we're, and that is their aim. And it's like you know that's somewhat of a better outcome uh, for the left than this nine-year repeating uh, Labour Act
1: government coming. Just want to just want to. Put that on the table labor, act. labor I, act coalition
0: i would have believed that as a not just a joke three years ago i think with what the act party has turned into oh, now no, um that you know they're not kind of the free democratic party of business that germany has that will go with um the SPD they're, over they're there.
1: Wacky like now. The, they're crazy
0: they they are yeah genuinely off the I don't want to say off the deep end because for the, the constituency they have and are building this kind of just nakedly extractivist, like the parts of the rural economy that are the most environmentally damaging, that are the most at risk to both efforts to fight climate change and the consequences of climate change, the kind yep. of over centered central Canterbury dairy, irrigation dairy type businesses um, and the kind of rack renting slum lords. X policy platform makes perfect sense for yeah. them. So the party
1: accelerationist capitalism, right? Basically. Reva- um, they're like a very effective
2: vehicle for the the revanchist impulse in New Zealand, like whatever form that's in. Like that's I mean, a bunch of sure, incoherent to us, like those those alliances don't work together, but they've they've managed to not just hold it together but but grow it in a yeah. way that like I don't think any of us would have predicted the the efficacy of five years ago.
1: Um, and part of that's to do with the collapse of the National Party. Um, sure, I but think.
2: I mean, you know, Luxon took over, and they all said we're united now. Uh, I mean, it was we we're, nice. we're back, um, and they had a incredibly golden run in the media mm-hmm. and didn't dent ACT's popularity. And you couldn't say that about most. They
0: they knocked ACT back down to ten instead of fifteen. Like that's a dent. it kind of, and you can see it on any kind of polling chart. There's like Luxon comes in and you're like okay we've been here before this is John Key. this is Jacinda and like this is what happens and then it just stops mm-hmm. because he's not very good at his job
1: and and the rest of his you know his shadow cabinet are as bad
2: um no 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 keep up the pretense that willis will solve the problem i think it's funny Um, (laughs) because you know it was what 24 to 48 hours between all of the twitter libs pretending to be scared of willis and her having to respond to a labor budget and having not even close to the instincts required to do that effectively right it would be very funny to watch nicola willis as leader of the opposition
1: oh i mean i think yeah as you say it would be funny uh, but I think it's a coin flip as to whether or not they roll him or not. There'll be even the people who are who are thinking about it in the National Party will also be thinking we would roll him because we're going to lose. I am not sure I could win. He can take the fall. He, he's say. not. He's not National Party. There's only
0: there's only one person who would be willing to do it because they know that <laughs> yes. this is their yes. last chance. Back. Never. Never. <laughs> she's in. Still. She's still there. They haven't sectioned or is this is the
1: problem with the national party it's so but this is broken internally man
0: it's a bucket of crabs man um <laughs> not that every other party isn't but yeah i i don't see it happening unless they are sub 25 which i don't see happening like when, you reckon sub 25 is the cut i think it's more like 30 yeah i i just think
2: but where's the base? Where's the internal base? I mean, who the in the current who in the current caucus is going to actively, you know, right, make yeah. those alliances? It's the caucus cross... base is the problem. The caucus right. has
1: been entryized, entryized by this, this <laughs> Christian uh, extremist faction. Essentially, they they are they are their Republican level of value system. Uh, some of them um mm. around uh, abortion, around, you know, LGBTQI uh, rights, um, around human rights and in some instances, mm. they are they really? are quite, oh, they quite are, extreme.
0: They are quite extreme. Um and I I, I kinda low key hoped that some of them would get primary because there was some talk of that, but it didn't work. Mm. But that's five out of thirty six. Well that, this is you know
1: this is why this Brooklyn Bowden is, is running against Simon O'Connor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Probably won't win. But um, yeah, I think the the desperation factor hasn't kicked in. And no one, why would you, you know, basically, whoever's the next leader of the National Party is going to get to be prime minister for nine years. Like yeah. on a 50 50 bet, that's probably what's going to happen and next that's, time you know, around. If you're, if you're
2: a careerist, you... that's the person you're greasing up to right now, right? Like if, mm. if you think you're going to lose, you're not fomenting a coup and stressing about the next three years. You're hurriedly. Uh, giving little cuddles to the next potential leader, um, because that's where your initial interests lie.
1: I, I don't think that person exists. I think, if anything, it's this Maxim Institute guy that's planning to come in, right? Like, my my out there, let's do some predictions. You're both saying that, that uh, Lux is not going to be rolled before the election, right? Yeah, cool. yeah, I'm going to go counter um, that, just to have it condi- on the table
0: conditionally, just as a centrist, okay, conditional. As long as they're above twenty five, it doesn't. Happen. Okay,
1: yeah. I think i I think there has never been a better time for them to try and do a little Ardern. Um, I think they can convince themselves it's a good idea, and I think whoever these business interests are, they have been apparently lobbying Nicola Willis. They think they're thinking in that kind of like political theatre uh, mode as well. I I think there is a reasonable chance uh, that they they try and pull it. Um, and and try and ride like a honeymoon and a hype wave, uh, and keep in mind, you know, Willis it didn't respond well to the budget, but she'll get that nice warm blanket from the media if she does ascend to leadership. Uh, I I think it's it'll be on naked ambition to some extent, but I believe it could happen if National lose, I think they're dead. I think they're done. I I think ACT moves in as the right wing party. I, I think that's what ACT are attempting to do. National go into an extended period of infighting as they try and split the difference between. I don't. I don't feel comfortable calling the people and their social conservatives because it goes beyond that. We've seen more of them coming in as candidates. Uh, these are really, really right wing folks. They're either going to leave and say we're going to we have to do it our own way now, or we are going to take over the party and you're going to have this bunch of, uh, you know what we call national party liberals with nowhere to go. That's a that's a hard party split. I don't think their base exists uh, beyond that. I've already seen over the last, well, since just the end of the key term, the branches starting to like get fed up with the uh, with party central. There's been a lot of issues with that kind of stuff. I I don't think in whether whether over the next decade. I think they're done. What do people think about that?
2: Wrong, Trump was. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, we have
0: nine-year no, terms. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no. National doesn't give a shit, man. They're not as ideological as that. They want power and labor not to be in charge fundamentally. Um, they'll create whatever, um, meaningless alliances need to be created. They'll bring in what they really need is an outsider, you know, someone without a lot of political experience. Maybe someone who's led a large business in the recent past. Someone oh, yeah. Who can come in and kind of that's work sweep the floor. Uh, bring in some some fresh energy, change the narrative and unify the party. That's that's probably what they need right now. I don't know, maybe someone who's led like a major airline or something recently, being a unifying figure. I mean, you're finding some... my
1: corner at the moment fill up with this.
2: <laughs> with this. Just, no, you just can't kill the national party that easily is is what I disagree with. Yeah. They'll they'll be around.
0: They'll be and yeah, no, I, I tend to agree that they will, you know, it fundamentally they they're the political wing of the ruling class and they will adapt and modify and change over time um and and mutate to to respond to circumstances. But whether we ever see them in the next 30, 40 years in the same position as they were under key um of this kind of hegemonic 50, Mm -hmm. just less than 50% party, whether we see anyone like that um given the given what the next 50 years are going to look like with the kind of disruptions we're going to see I yeah I I don't see them dominating in that way and I think the persistence of the ACT party and the kind of real fissures within what's best for their base that like there are rural business interests out there who can see 10 years ahead and what would happen if the EU blacklists all of our products because of our refusal to honor our Paris commitments. Um, there are people who who foresee that and who are like, well, I'll be okay if we have a proper, um, you know, methane control system or whatever it is. But then there are other rural interests who will not. And I think there's that. I think it's the same in the the cities where you've kind of got the kind of real nasty landlord end of of kind of property interests who don't want to see the kind of détente on housing that Labour and National um have arrived at lasting long term because that's where their money is. So I could see a, a situation where there's sort of more fracturing on both the left and the right um persisting for for a longer time. Um, I remember thinking late in the key years that the Labour Party was finished that like all of the, every young person I'd spoken to, because I was young at the time, um, if they were enthusiastic or interested in politics was in moving towards the Greens, right? Um, or to party Maori, or even New Zealand first, or ACT. Like there was the the kind of energy didn't seem to be there for Labour, and I thought they were finished. And then Jacinda Ardern got appointed, and you know, the rest is history. So I, I'm, I'm probably, yeah, I, I don't see the collapse coming for National, but I do think, They've got some serious questions to ask themselves about what kind of party they want to be. Um, and the short-termist answers they might come up with um, are really fucking bad.
1: Good place to tie it up. We'll be following the campaign as it as it continues coming up to October. Uh, it's, it's going to be a wild ride. It's been pretty unhinged out there already. I expect that to increase. Thank you for joining us for our first episode back. Uh, good to be here. Uh, we'll be back. Every week with current events, trying to get some more uh, longer discussion uh, podcasts in as well to cover all sorts of issues. Uh, we put a shout out for left wing candidates to come and join us. We will we'll give you a platform to just mouth off, uh, say whatever you want, uh, and we'll we'll release it unfiltered, unedited, and raw. But we'll also ask you the hard questions because we're about accountability. So so give us a. Uh, give us a DM, uh, happy to have you on uh, we really want to push progressive politics we, I think it's really open out there, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to to get some of those messages out thanks again for listening we'll catch you next
0: week it's with good intentions and I'll admit that I'm at a loss for what to say On the call this a cross we ought to stay Cause I live amongst the people every day And this vindictive, forgetful fucking rain It feels like we're on the road to hell